Every conversation is an opportunity to grow closer with your partner, Dr. Sarah Rattray. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Kieran, and welcome back to Her Brilliant Health Revolution podcast. We are talking with a wonderful guest today about couples communication and the essential keys to reviving the passion in your relationship. Do you want to know about this? I know you do because I get questions about this all the time. I talk to women every day who say, Dr. Kieran, I don't care if I ever have sex again. Can you relate? Well, that was me many years ago, and I know a lot of you are suffering with this too. And yes, sure, part of it's a hormonal problem, and I take care of that. But a lot of times there's a communication and emotional intimacy problem in the relationship that's contributing to the low sex drive and low level of intimacy. And that's where my friend and guest today, Dr. Sarah Rattray, comes in. In. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then we'll get started. She's a leading couple psychologist. She helps disconnected couples approaching their empty nest to rekindle their relationship. As the founder of the Couples Communication Institute, she assists couples in achieving lasting closeness and intimacy through effective communication. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. Thank you so much for having me here, Kieran. I am super excited to have you on the podcast because one of the problems that my ladies at midlife really struggle with is sexual intimacy in their relationships. And although I work with them to help them balance their hormones and address all the physical issues, a lot of them really don't get that the level of communication and emotional intimacy in their relationship really has everything to do with the level of their sex drive. Can you help them kind of get a big picture view of why that is? Yes. One of the cornerstones is that in order for us to be sexual, we need to feel safe. And that's not just a fluffy definition of feeling safe, but we literally need to feel kind of like evolutionarily, biologically, physically safe. If we feel in danger at all, we're not going to have sex. So, you know, talking about this from from an evolutionary or an animal standpoint, if you are in the middle of being attacked by a wild animal, you're not going to stop and have sex. Your body's going to say, no, 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 you have to protect yourself. You're in danger. You must protect yourself. Sex is for another time. When do animals have sex? When they're feeling safe, there's no other dangers around. They can relax. Their bodies can do what their bodies need to do. So in a relationship, when we feel any kind, so danger and safety, 
those are on a very big spectrum with all sorts of gradations. So yeah, of course, you are going to feel in danger if you're being threatened by a wild animal. But also, what if you are irritated or uncomfortable or unsettled or, you know, all of those things, your body is going to be devoting its energy to keeping you safe and not to being sexual. So that's kind of the bottom line, or maybe you might say overarching reason that I really want to start out with. Thank you for pointing that out. And I would add to that, but why don't men have that problem? It seems like when there are relationship problems, they're the ones who still want to be sexual. And the women are the ones who say to me, I don't care if I ever have sex again. So how are women and men biologically programmed differently in this respect? Yeah. Well, I want to say that the women and men thing, it's kind of an overlapping phenomenon. So maybe slightly more than average of men are like one way and women are another way. But it's also flipped in many couples that I've seen where women have the capacity to be more sexually interested and men are more shut down unless things are safe. You know, one of the things that's going on is that men, when they feel a little bit stirred up, they might associate sex with safety. And so they might want to have that sexual connection in order to feel better and safer. So for them, it might be a little bit flipped, like that that deep knowing that sex makes them feel safe and secure rather than being safe and secure first, they reach for sex as a way to feel that way. And so that can be either with men or with women. But yeah, some people are indeed wired that way. Okay, that's good to understand. And then I know some women listening are thinking, but Dr. Sarah, I feel safe. My partner provides I work, he works, we have a house together, and I don't feel like I'm at risk for any type of physical or other type of abuse. So I feel safe. So can you help maybe them understand what you mean by safety? Yeah. So when I was talking about that whole that whole spectrum, definitely, you know, m- many of us feel safe with our partners, but Am I feeling truly settled down and relaxed at a deep level? So let's say I have an important meeting tomorrow and I need to have my lunch ready to go and I need some good clothes and I realize that everything that I want to wear is dirty and wrinkled and I haven't done the laundry and I don't have any food ready to go and my kids are running around the house and my husband is interested in sex. No, it's not that I'm feeling unsafe, but I'm like my alertness, I'm alert to, but I have to do the laundry, but I have to get the food ready, but I have to do this. I'm alert to all of the things that are going, like that are that are demanding my time. So setting aside the word safety, instead of looking at it through that perspective, 
I want to share another way of looking at at sexual openness, or, or if that's the right word. So there are certain things that turn us on. There are certain things that get our sexual energy going. Those are can be called accelerators. And there are certain things that really turn us off or that to put the brakes on. So that are inhibitors. So, you know, the example I was just given, if I'm really distracted because I have to do the laundry and get some food going for my, for, to, in order to settle down, those are just inhibitors. Those are breaks. Am I going to be interested in sex? No, I just am not. Let's say I'm an extremely private person. If my grandmother has come to visit and she's in the next bedroom and the walls are pretty thin, am I going to be interested in sex? I might not be. I'd be like, uh, I don't think so. Let's wait till grandma goes back home. So being aware of what are the things that put the brakes on my interest, it's important to take ownership of that, to acknowledge it, and not to put yourself down. You know, so the, the, the grandma example, what if your partner is kind of a showman? He's like, I don't care. And your grandma will think that we're having, we have a good marriage or, you know, a good relationship. She'll be happy for us. We're built, we're wired in two different ways. If that's an inhibitor for me, I should own it. I'm sorry. That turns me off. That shuts me down that, you know, that doesn't make me open. That's, you know, that's an inhibitor that we need to not have around. And then the accelerators, what is it that opens me up? So if you, you know, give me a gentle kiss on the cheek several times in a row or stroke my face like this, is that the kind of thing that starts to to soften me and get my interest? If that's a kind of thing that I need as an accelerator, if you haven't touched me or kissed me in that way, you know, there's no gas in my engine. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, my accelerator is not going to be able to go and so I need to own that too and be able to communicate with that to my partner. You know, honey, what, what really gets me starting to be interested is when you do this to my cheek or when you, you know, whatever it is, whatever my thing is. So I like that. I, I'm hearing you. So a feeling of safety, but then also have these certain conditions, maybe needs or wants been met that we need to get that accelerator going and what brakes have been pushed. And I loved that you just shared that maybe a woman could say to her partner, you know, honey, this is something that I really like that accelerates my desire to be with you sexually, like touching my cheek. So can we talk about communication? Because a lot of the women I talk to don't really have access. Sometimes they don't even know what they want or need in order to feel safe and and become in that potential arousal space. And they don't even know how to ask for it. One, because they don't know what they need and want. Or if they do, they don't feel like they can advocate for themselves. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, you so you just brought up two different and very important things. So- okay. One thing that you said is many women can't even identify it. So let's start with that a little bit briefly. Becoming aware of your own self is so central to being able to ask for what you need, definitely. And for, you know, really for taking ownership of who you are and what works. So I encourage you 
you know, today we're talking about sexual interest, but in, in a whole variety of areas, I encourage you to pay attention to yourself. That means to your body, to the thoughts in your head, to the things that you want to say, what works and what doesn't work. So, you know, for example, can you think back to the last two or three times that you were really interested in making love? What was going on? What were those circumstances? Can you think in your mind, how did your body feel beforehand? What was that, you know, was it a a little bit of a thrill? Was it a warmth? Like what was the feeling in your body or what were the thoughts in your head? What let you know, I'm interested? And then go back a little bit further, what was going on that day? So as you become more and more aware of how does my body feel when I'm interested? What are my thinking that is a clue to me? I'm interested. Then become more aware, this pushes the interest button, this pushes it off. You know what I mean? And then, you know, just to expand on that in other areas like safety, how do I feel when I really, truly feel relaxed and comfortable and chill? Like, do I remember a time that I just felt just really at ease and peaceful and happy? How did that feel in in my jaw muscles, in my, you know, neck or back muscles, all kinds of ways And then what does it feel like in my body when I don't feel that way anymore? When my, I I can tell my forehead's getting all furrowed or I'm clenching my jaw or whatever. So you become aware, you know, you're a finely tuned instrument. When are you at this end of your, whichever meter we're reading and when are you moving over towards that end? That type of awareness is very important. Got it. So being really attuned to your own body and what it is that does hit that accelerator for you and how you feel. And then how could you speak to advocating or asking to have your needs and wants met when it comes to this arena? Yes. So in my course, I really break this down into a lot of easy to understand and follow steps. The first group of steps is thinking about what you want to say to your partner, identifying what you want to talk about. So in this case, we're identifying that we might want to talk about how to ask for more of what turns you on and or how to ask for less of what turns you off. That's the subject that you're thinking of. I want to have a conversation with my partner about what turns me on and how to ask for more of it. Then you want to think about how do I feel about this subject? Am I excited to talk to them? Am I embarrassed about it? What are your feelings? So you're more aware of it and you can share it with your partner. Then you want to think about what do you want to get from this conversation? Do you want your partner to be a good listener? Do you want them to try to fix something? Do you want them to share with you their views for what they need? You know, do you want it to be kind of an exchange about what each of you want? And you want to become clear about what your goals are, again, so that you can communicate that to your partner. Now, here's something that is a fabulous, fabulous tip that we 
so rarely think about. When you when you have clear in your mind what you want to talk about, in this case, I want more of this of these turn-ons and how you feel and what you want to get out of it. What I want you to think back, what do you appreciate about your partner that's related to this? What do you think about that you're grateful for or you admire or you feel a connection to about your partner? So for example, if I like my partner to do this, I might say, I might think back, I remember when we were driving across town two months ago and and my partner was doing this in the car. I might say, honey, remember that time we were driving to the warehouse and you were, you know, touching my cheek? I just loved that. It made me feel really close to you and it kind of turned me on. So I'm, I'm sharing with my partner an appreciation of something that went well. Or another kind of sharing of an appreciation might be, or thinking, which our first, we're just talking about thinking, that I'm thinking about that I'm appreciative is a conversation that we had together that went really well. I remember in a different car ride when we were talking about something that was on my mind and my partner was such a good listener. That really made me feel close and connected. That was really awesome. So you get ready in your head with this thing that you appreciate. So I'm going to kind of skip over some of the other tips that I share in my course, but here's how to ask for what you want. You start out with something that you appreciate. So you've already gotten this in your mind. So, you know, share with your partner the positives. When you touched me on my cheek when we were in that car ride on the way to the airport, I just look back on that and I every time I do that makes me smile. I really love it when you talk to me, when you touch me that way. So starting out a conversation in that way, you're gonna open your partner's heart. You're gonna make them feel good. You're gonna make them feel like a success. You know, you're gonna make them feel like they've done something right. So then you wanna think about what is it that you wanna ask for? You might say, I want to to actually have sex with you a little bit more often. I've been thinking about this and I realize in order to do that, I would like to be touched this way more often. That I've learned that that turns me on. Can we talk about how you you can do this some more or what can we change in our relationship to invite me to, to invite you to touch me that way more often. That would get me ready for sex. That's one kind of conversation. If that's exactly what I want to ask for is for you to touch me more often. There's other kinds of conversations we probably need to have before that. But just to put it out there, this is what I want. And why? Because I want to have sex with you more or I want to feel closer. I want to be more intimate with you. Right. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's Dr. Kieran. I'm just wondering how long you're going to go with those unbalanced hormones. I mean, you told me during the Stop the Menopause Madness Summit that you couldn't take it anymore. 
So where have you been? Since the summit, Deb M has already balanced her hormones, gotten to her goal weight, and is looking forward to wearing her bathing suit on the beach this summer. And Carrie, who hadn't been able to lose even five pounds in the past 10 years, has now lost an amazing 15 pounds and is feeling and looking great. Not to mention, she's sleeping better and her mood has improved. Aaron, Ashley, Debsy, and so many more are already enjoying the benefits of having balanced hormones. And I'm wondering if you could use some help finding out your personal hormone levels and knowing exactly what to do to balance your hormones so that you can lose weight, regain energy, balance your moods, feel sexy and confident, look great and master midlife or whatever you want to do. Know that all health begins with balanced hormones. Everything you want in life begins here and nothing good ever comes from tolerating hormone imbalances. We're launching the Hormone Balance Mastermind again this July, so don't wait. Space is limited, and it will be months before we run this program again. Go to www.midlifemetabolisminstitute.com to apply for the program or get on the early bird wait list so that as soon as registration opens, you can be the first to apply and secure your spot. If you've had enough and you want to find out how good life can be once your hormones are balanced, I know I'll see you there. Talk to you soon. And we're back. So the delivery of the message and the conversation, how that happens if once you've identified what you would like and you've identified your accelerators and your brakes and your need for safety, sounds like there are some techniques to use to foster a healthy conversation. I will say that most of the women I talk to, and, and I, I can't say that it's always a physical problem because we'll get their hormones balanced. Now, one comes to mind whose husband was a serial cheater. And she kept coming to me and saying, my hormones must not be right because I don't want to be sexual with my husband. And he kept cheating. And I said, no, I don't think that's a hormone issue. You don't trust him. (laughs) And uh, but then another one comes to mind who her children were off to college. And after they left, she was looking forward to having extra time with her husband. And she thought that they would be, quote, running around like teenagers having sex. And when they weren't, she was very dismayed. And even after we got her hormones straightened out, and even though she said she loved him, she just, the idea of being sexual at all turned her off. And so she didn't even really want to have a conversation. So they basically had agreed to not talk about sex. So can you talk about that if you just, your hormones are tuned up, but you just really don't have that desire? You love your husband, but neither one of you really wants to be intimate sexually. Is that healthy and normal? Well, I have to say, given my perspective, what's not healthy is not talking about it. Certainly, we could have the kind of relationship where neither of us wants to be sexual and we're truly satisfied with that. Like if both of us are open and both of us say, we really feel good the way things are and sex is not a component that we need to our relationship and we're open about it and we discuss it. Okay, 
in my book, that's just fine. But to say it's an icky conversation, so we won't even touch on it and we'll just go on this way, that is not a good idea. Neither of you know what's going on in the other person's head. And it's such Sex and intimacy are such big issues in a relationship. It's certainly in both of your minds. You're 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 worried. You're skirting around it. Like, are they upset that we're not doing it? Are they okay that we're not doing it? Like, I don't know. And then, what happens if they want to give you a hug? Do you pull away for fear that it might, you know, lead to sex? Or or all of these little moments that then become so awkward and end up creating more and more distance. So that's my long way of saying, deciding to never speak about it, that's not a healthy path. And before I hear more about what you want to know about the serial cheater, that's huge. And, you know, it is definitely possible to heal and rebuild trust when people have had affairs, but it is a process that takes work and effort and motivation. And certainly, I think a woman is well advised to listen to her own lack of interest because it's telling her she does not feel safe. She doesn't trust him. Why would she open up to him sexually? Yes. So, so important to know. And I appreciate you sharing that with everyone. And then also this idea about it's that the, the issue isn't not having sex if that's what you both want, but the issue might be not communicating about it. And what does that say about the level of emotional intimacy in a relationship if there is no discussion about important issues like sex? Yeah. Well, Kieran, again, going back to safety, when our kids are you know, teenagers and all we've done for 20 years is build our careers and be parents. We've gotten out probably of the habit of safe, intimate conversations with our partner. Then they leave. We're looking at each other like, I don't know who you are. We have to go back and rebuild safe conversations about just anything. Do we listen to each other with respect? Do we listen to each other with curiosity and, you know, eagerness and anticipation? Are we having terrific, juicy conversations about anything? Do we know how to do that? I'd never work with couples where the first thing that we dive into is a conversation about sex. There's just too many challenges to doing that. So when you and your partner are finally in that empty nest and now you find there's this unexpected distance, you want to build back all over again, kind of dial it back to those early days when you were so excited to talk together and see each other. And you really want to rebuild that step by step. I'm adding this to my list of Things that women need to be educated about at midlife. I'm kind of up in arms about the fact that we're not told what's coming with perimenopause and menopause and that our doctors should be informing us this is what's going to happen. Just like we tell young women, this is what's going to happen when you hit menarche and you start menstruating. So I'm going to add to that list at midlife. Not only are you going to have these hormonal changes, but this is what's going to happen at this stage in your relationship when you have an empty nest. And this is how you navigate it. Because I think that part of the, the disconnection problem and maybe the high divorce rate is that we don't know how to 
to navigate this passage in our relationships. I'm so glad you said it that way. It, it's, I mean, everything that you said about the, the physical processes are so true. Like, honey, this is what's coming. <laughs> I had a couple come to my office once and they very proudly told me that they had parked their relationship when they had kids. They were devoted parents. They were, you know, each individually devoted parents and they were very proud of each other. They felt like they were great co-parents, but everything was about the children. So if they went out for a date, which was rare, they talked about their children. They no longer had those fun conversations that they had when they were getting to know each other. They no longer talked about their own thoughts and feelings and dreams. So they were getting more and more distant and their relationship was not an intentional priority. So the teenage children, getting them through high school, preparing them to go out on their own, go to college, the parents are just focused on them. And as I said, you also got your your heavy duty careers going on. The concept of parking your marriage or thinking we'll get to it when they leave We'll get to what? Is it is it now empty? Is there nothing inside there? So along the way, while you're busy parenting, be sure to set aside time, special time for just the two of you to talk and to chat and explore and have interesting conversations. Something I want, I, I'm not sure if you're going to come back to it, but I really want to come back to to how to have that those talks when your kids are gone. Is that okay if we go back sure. there? So, you know, you mentioned a woman who said that she had imagined that they'd be running around like teenagers again after the kids left. When you rebuild the ability to have safe conversations with your partner, you can have conversations about what are your dreams about this phase in our life? What were the dreams that you thought you were gonna we were gonna have about this phase in our life? What to you, you know, would be fulfilling? What would be your greatest hope? What would be your minimum hope? Like have those kind of conversations where you're curious about each other and begin to learn about each other again. Your bodies are really different than they were before you had your children together. So, you know, your, your bodies, everything is different. Your expectations, your desire for what to do with your time. It's great to connect in that way and say, what are your dreams? What are your values? What are your beliefs? You know, what were your role models? When you were growing up, did you ever see or even imagine any of your relatives having a sexual relationship as they grew older? Like, what what were you expecting? And have curious, interested, like exploring conversations together. I love the sound of that. It sounds like such healthy intimacy to really talk on that level and have those really in-depth conversations and probing questions. And... I'm going to just give a call out for everyone to start doing that in all their relationships. I think that this is so important because hormones, I always say, are the communicators in the body. And I say that when you have hormone imbalance, your cells don't know what to do because there's a lack of communication and any system without communication has dysfunction. But as we're talking, I'm just realizing and is coming to mind that 
women at midlife don't only have hormonal dysfunction, but they have interpersonal dysfunction in many areas. Some For some people, it's at work. For some people, it's with children or family, spouses, partners, and that it's a communication problem there too. So we kind of teach about the same thing is what I'm realizing. I love that. I love that. Hormones are the communicator in your body that the different systems need to talk to each other by sending the hormones back and forth. And yes, the two people, how do you get on the same page with communication back and forth? Yeah. So thank you for sharing this wonderful information. I wanted to ask you if couples are having overt disagreements. So we've talked a little bit about the disconnection that can happen in parking your marriage. And I see a lot of people park their health too. I'll just comment on that. They say, oh, I'll take care of that after I retire. I'll take care of my health. After the kids go off to college, I'll take my health or on my vacation. But on a day-to-day basis, they don't want to. So it's interesting that you made that comment about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. There's overt discord and arguments. I know that you teach in your course, you teach couples how to have healthy, I would assume, nonviolent communication for conflict resolution. But what are some strategies or tips or advice that you could give people who are in relationships where they say, oh, I know why I don't want to have sex. (laughs) And it's because I'm angry. How would you advise them to approach this? I have at least two different things I want to say about that. One is that in the moment, remember earlier, we were talking about being aware of your body. It's so important to be aware of what it feels like when you're starting to get angry or annoyed or defensive, like what changes in your body, what changes in your train of thought, what changes in the words that you want to say. When you recognize that that's starting to happen in your body, okay, putting that to the side for a second, and you want to explain this to your partner ahead of time so they know what you're going to do ahead of time, when you feel in your body that you're getting angry, take a break, calm down, relax for 20 minutes, and then come back from a calm state of mind. So that's one thing. Don't have those arguments. It's great to disagree, and that's what we'll talk about next, how to disagree. But if it's an argument where your body's in fight or flight and all you're doing is attacking or defending, you're harming the relationship. You're pushing your partner farther away from you rather than pulling them closer to you. There is nothing to be gained and everything to be lost by continuing to talk when you're angry. So setting it up ahead of time, tell your partner, when I feel myself getting upset, I'm gonna take a break, calm down and relax, and I'll come back and talk to you in 20 minutes. This does not mean I'm gonna drop the subject leave and never talk about it again, because that just leads to a more forceful attempt to talk by the other person. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then you said we're going to talk about how to disagree. So you're going to take a break. And then what? (laughs) Then what? Many, many, many of our disagreements are what is the right thing to do? So, you know, right now, we'll, we'll pick a hot one. We should wear a mask we shouldn't wear a mask. What's the right thing to do? The right thing to do 
is to wear a mask, the right thing to do is to not wear a mask. What's actually happening for each of us is that we have, and I've used these words already, dreams or values or beliefs or opinions or ethics that underlie what we think is right or wrong. And we aren't even always aware of what those values are. We just say, this is the right thing to do. But why do I say that? So what are my particular values or beliefs? So let's say we're taking masks Do it is and, and you were just talking about taking care of our health. If your value, Kieran, is placing health and being proactive about health, if you place that above everything else, you may feel like wearing masks is, is the right thing to do because you see it as furthering you staying healthy. Now, let's suppose the person that you're talking to, let's just say me in this case, let's say my value is for being an independent person. I value independence and self-expression. And I feel like mask wearing doesn't support being an independent person with self-expression. So when we talk together, I want to be curious about you. And I want to say, wow, Kieran, now I, I want to hear, tell me more about why wearing a mask is important. What, because of your beliefs, share that with me. And you'll tell me about your beliefs about health, about being proactive. And then at the end, here's what I want to do. Here's a big word, validate. I want to validate that, and, and of course, I made this up here, and I, I put these opinions in right. your head. I don't know what your opinions actually are. But if, if this is the case for you, I want to say, given that you really value health and you really value being proactive, it sure makes sense to me that you would support wearing a mask. I get it. I can see why you would want to do that. And not only that, Kieran, since I love you, I'm in a relationship with you, I want to support you wearing a mask because I can see how important that is to you. Now, in return, I would want you to say to me, wow, Sarah, thank you for sharing that with me about being independent and self, I forget already what I said. You know, I, I get it. I see how that makes sense for you. And I want to support, this would be you talking to me, I want to support you in all the ways that we can for you to be independent and express yourself. I know how important that is to you. So this conversation, Kieran, this is important. This conversation is bringing us closer together in the way that we are talking to each other. I am talking to you respectfully. You're talking to me respectfully. We're curious about each other. We're interested in each other. We're supporting each other's values. I support your value of health. You support my value of of independence and self-expression. Now, if we have to problem solve how we're going to deal with masks together, then we're going to get creative. What are all the ways that you could protect your health? What are all the ways that I could be independent and express myself? Does it have to be all or nothing? Are there other choices? Can I wear a mask with a logo on it? Can we, you know, be make different choices with different scenarios, that type of a thing. So it's not about this is right and this is wrong. You're wrong. And it's certainly not about putting people down. You know, you don't know, or, you know, you're not informed or you're wrong, but 
tell me about your point of view. Tell me about your values. What's behind that? Again, tell me a story about how this came to be. That brings us closer and then we have more uh, trust. Remember that word from earlier? We have more trust in each other to work on this together as a team. Yeah, thank you for explaining that in so much detail. And I think that the the level of discourse that we're experiencing on a at least on a public level is is not about sharing and curiosity no. and understanding each other and finding a solution that works for everyone and respecting each other's values and views. So I love how you went into detail around a very hot button issue right now and really outlined what respectful discourse looks like. So maybe we can't have in the media that discourse, (laughs) but we can have it in our homes. And I would think that would foster a feeling of trust and true connection and intimacy. That is my hope as well. That is my belief. That is why I do what I do. Most people If you share your value, your belief, your dream, and you share where that came from, most people aren't going to turn to you and say, you're wrong, that's dumb. Like they would say, I get it. That's how you came to be. It sure makes sense. You know, so so even people who believe everyone should wear a mask, if I say I believe in independence and self-expression, are you going to tell me no, independence and self-expression are dumb? No. You know, when you know that about me, you're going to be like, yes, that, you know, yes, more power to you, independence and self-expression. That's awesome. And now that we have this connection building up between the two of us, it's we're much more profitably going to be able to have a specific conversation. Okay, but what are we going to do about masks? Because I feel that you are supporting who I am and what I believe in. Then what we do about masks that's not as important and not as much of a hot button anymore because I know that you support me and my core beliefs. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I hope that that's what we're all aiming for in our relationships. And I think it really gets to the heart of what we started talking about with sexuality, which is it's about the relationship and the person first. And the sex is really a secondary issue, right? (laughs) It is. And, you know, when we can have conversations about sex, like for me, I really value the quietness that comes after. I love that island of quiet and calm after we make love and we're together in our bed. Like I, that island of quiet and calm is something that I always want to have between the two of us. All the different kinds of values or dreams or, you know, desires that go into it. Can we talk about each one of those things? I like the excitement or maybe I like, you know, the physical sensations. I like what what are all the different values? And then you can expand that. How can we create that? So if I'm not in the mood to have sexual intercourse, how can we create that island of peace and calm between the two of us? You know, how deep and connected might that feel? All those different threads, can we share that with each other? I love that. It sounds so beautiful. And I'm just reminded of the quote you shared with me before we started recording, which was every conversation is an opportunity to grow closer with your partner. Is that correct? Oh my gosh. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I really want to say that because we can disagree, but if we disagree really respectfully and with interest and openness, like I can just be drawn to you like, oh my God, thank you for listening to me. This was really fascinating. And I'm so glad to learn more about where you're coming from. Like every conversation is an opportunity to grow closer. Thank you so much for sharing this very important information, Dr. Sarah. I really appreciate it. I know you have a wonderful quiz that everybody can go and take. We will have the link in the show notes and I'm calling it couples communication quiz, but will you tell them a little bit about it? You know, so many of the things that that you and I have talked about today, the quiz is asking about, you know, different parts of communication. How safe is it the way that you communicate with each other? How much do you understand each other? How respectful are you of each other? The quiz is part of it. You'll get your score and you'll get some very specific tips on what to do, depending on how close your communication is. And then you will get a free gift that covers probably everything well, not the sexual parts, but most of the things that we talked about today and more. So just a free, it's a lovely eight page handout that you get that covers what we were talking about, really tips that you can use together. Great. Thank you so much for that wonderful resource. I think you've done an incredible job of really outlining the issues at hand. So people have a good grasp on that. I invite everyone listening to go take Dr. Sarah's quiz. She has a wonderful virtual online course that she does with couples who are wanting to rekindle. Do you want to tell them a little bit about it? Thank you. So my first course, it's called Couples Communication Made Easy be seen, be heard, be understood. And I really break down all the steps to create safe, calm, and connected communication with your partner so that you can go on to explore all of the more complex, deeper issues that you really want to connect on. So no matter what you want to talk about, this course really lays out for you the basics and the foundation. So I'm quite proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you do and for sharing this wonderful information with us today, Dr. Sarah. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me on, Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, post it on your social media and tag me, I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.